Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Hey guys, just one quick announcement I wanted to make is uh, we're doing something kind of special in terms of giving. I know this is like a super sensitive time for a lot of people and a lot of people are on different, you know, um, different situations and really tough scenarios with job losses and businesses shutting down and so many things shutting down. And we just want to be um, somewhat of a resource. And so there's, we're starting a, or we have a kind of a special uh, COVID-19 benevolence fund and it's on our website. You can access it through our website. And this is uh, a way that we can help support people within a church that are going through uh, tough financial times and otherwise. Um, so I want to talk about that. Um, there's also uh, normal ways to give, uh, three different ways. One is through the church center app, which we, uh, highly recommend. Uh, it does more than just giving. There's ways to stay connected on there as well. Um, number two, the website, uh, up here, gccugene.org. Um, and then number three is through the PO box, which is PO box 41864, uh, which is Eugene, Oregon, 97404. Um, I know that it's times are tough right now. And like I said, a lot of people are going through financial hardships and otherwise. And uh, we just want to be a support. We also want to um, encourage, you know, our, our normal GC family to, con- to continue giving, um, you know, as, as, as best as we can. And so uh, with that, I'm going to transition over to Rick, who's going to come on up here and deliver the word this morning. Good morning, everyone, GCC family and everyone else tuning in this morning. I also just want to give a special, uh, special shout out to uh, my family who's watching right now. My wife, Allie, daughter, Joey, and Brooks. Love you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll dive in. Uh, in 1527 in Wittenberg, Germany, uh, there was a lot going on. Uh, the Protestant Reformation was well underway, but... Uh, uh, Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, was actually someone who battled with uh, uh, just ongoing depression. So he struggled with that. But also the Black Plague had hit there. And so Martin Luther was just at a bad spot. And so he had a wife named uh, Katharina von Bora. And she actually uh, came up with a way to uh, encourage him. And so one day when he got home, uh, she, she was uh, maybe expecting he was going to be in a little bit uh, of a better mood. He had taken some time to himself. He came home. That wasn't the case. And so... While he was in the room, she dressed in all black and got the kids to dress in all black as well. So when he came back in the room, he said, is there a funeral? What did I miss? What's going on? And she said, if the great Martin Luther is so down, then maybe God is dead. Because surely if God was alive, then Martin Luther himself would have someone to put his trust and hope in. At that moment, he uh, just uh, bursted out in laughter. And so laughter was something that helped Martin Luther and his wife knew that get through hard times. Which is why last week we started... One minute of memes, and we're going to continue that because we believe that laughter is good medicine for our souls. And so we have some memes that we're going to share with you guys this week. So the first one up today, quarantine with hubby for two weeks. Gertrude is knitting something special for him, So, which is a noose. Next one, I used to spin, I used to spin that toilet paper roll like it was on the wheel of fortune. Now I turn it like I'm cracking a safe. Next, let's see who's really behind COVID-19. 
As the mask comes off, we have Zoom. If you guys aren't familiar with Zoom, it is now the app that a couple weeks ago, probably t only 20% of our society knew about, and now everyone is on and using. So, uh, meetings this week going to be like, we have the Brady Bunch. <coughs> Next. This is what it's going to be like when we all gather together again in church service for the first time. I kind of picture this being Josh Agashi or Eric Roscoe, if you guys know them. <coughs> all right, we're continuing on this week too uh, through our series called A Praying People Part 2. So we're going to continue on in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. So if you would turn with your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6, we're actually just going to be covering verse 9. So we're just slowly working through the Lord's Prayer this week. We're continuing there. So praying people, give you guys a second to turn there. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. <clears throat> the main point today is that your starting place matters. So if you remember anything from the sermon, the main thing I want you to take away and remember is that your starting place matters. <clears throat> Just a recap from last week is last week we looked at this, is that what you need is a perfect prayer life. But we understand this, that no one has a perfect prayer life. No one's prayed the perfect amount or with the right motives. And so what we actually see and what we need is that we need someone who's prayed a perfect prayer life for us, which is Christ. If we understand where we're at in Matthew's gospel, we're right smack in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And so in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest lesson that's ever been taught on prayer given to us by God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. So that's where we're at. But you have to understand what is going on in the Sermon on the Mount. What is actually happening, and, and if you understand this, it's not actually Jesus recreating the law. It's not him uh, creating a new law. It's actually Jesus re reinterpreting the law from how it had been misunderstood. And so the law had been turned into just uh, uh, something religious or a ritual where you could check a box. And what Jesus is showing us um, by, by his presence on earth is that actually no one has lived up according to God's standard, that no one lives a, a life of perfect obedience. And so if we understand the Sermon on the Mount properly, what we are seeing and understanding is that Jesus is showing us how, how, how holy and great God's standard is and, and how far man has fallen short, and it's driving us to see our absolute need that we have for Jesus Christ. So that's, that's what it's doing, which we would understand that it would not be a good thing to base our our uh, right standing with God upon our prayer lives. Because in all reality, if we're being honest, which we looked at some of those statistics last week, a lot of people don't pray. And the only times that you do pray are on an airplane when there's extreme turbulence or maybe on a first date. If you just want the Lord to help you get through the night or to supernaturally speed up time. Uh, if you get pulled over, you pray for the cop to not give you a ticket or in times of crisis. These are uh, sometimes the only times that we find ourselves praying. So we wouldn't want to base our right standing with God upon our prayer lives, what we do is we base our right standing with God upon Christ's prayer life and upon everything that Christ has done for us. And so um, I want to say this before we dive in, is prayer is a sensitive subject for some people. And if you're joining us today and, and you are a Christian or not a Christian, wherever you're at, whatever pain or suffering you might find yourself in, I know prayer is a sensitive, sensitive subject because of this, that maybe there's been a time in your life when you felt like you cried out to God and God didn't respond or God didn't answer, or he, he, he didn't answer in the way that you thought that he should. And so I know that's sensitive, and I know that's why prayer can be a sensitive subject, but I would, I would encourage you to hang in there with us to, uh, to the end today to just kind of hear uh, how, uh, how the Christian understands prayer. 
And prayer is not something that we just go to God for requests. It's actually more about relationship than it is anything else. Otherwise, we functionally turn God into a genie or a vending machine where we put in money, push the button, and expect Him to respond. And that's not what prayer at its essence is, is, is about. It's actually more about a relationship. So that, that's where we're at. Uh, we're continuing on this week. Last week, Jesus said, this is how you don't pray. And now He's saying, this is how you do pray. And so He's given us the positives on how to pray. So with that, let's pray and we'll dive in. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this unique way that we can gather and that we can worship you. We pray that you would speak to us. I pray for every uh, person in every home that is tuning in and listening this morning that you would clear out distractions right now, that you would open our ears and open our hearts and open our just minds to give us understanding and insight to you and who you are and to see the beauty of the gospel, to behold your glory, Father. We're praying for all the kids um, that are tuning in and watching right now, that, Father, uh, uh, we pray for just, uh, just a spirit of peace and calmness to be upon them and upon the homes. We pray for uh, just special patience um, for our parents right now in this time and in this season. And we pray for those that are just financially strained and burdened right now, Father, that you would comfort the, uh, them, but also lead us how we can best love and serve them. Spirit, minister now, please. Speak to us. Show us who God is and what he's done in Jesus Christ through the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, your starting place matters. So we're just, like I said, covering verse 9 this morning. Matthew 6, verse 9 says this. Again, this is Jesus speaking. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So only eight words. That's what we're looking at this morning are those eight words. And so this is why our starting place matters. At, at the very beginning... Jesus is instructing us, this is how you pray. This is what you do. And this is how you start off your prayer. How Jesus tells us our prayer start off actually matters, and it matters a lot. The religious leaders of the day did not like that Jesus Christ commonly called God Father. They thought that it was too informal. Uh, they thought that it was uh, too personal, too uh, relational, and, and that he shouldn't be doing that. So it, it really bothered the religious leaders of, of Jesus' day that this is how he commonly referred to God as Father. And when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he teaches us to pray like him and call God, not God, but call him Father. I don't think it's bad to say God whenever we pray, but that's ultimately not how Jesus teaches us to pray. He t teaches us to pray with the very first words, our starting place matters, is our Father. Why Father? Because Father is who God has been for all eternity. You, you, you see, Christians believe in what's called the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so when they created mankind, God didn't create mankind so he could have children. God had already existed as the Father for all eternity. And Jesus the Son had, ex had, had existed for the Son for all eternity. And so when God created mankind, it wasn't so that he could have kids that would now call him Father. He created them out of being a father already so that they could share in the love that he had for the Son and for the Spirit. And so Jesus wants us to know God like this. And here's the reality. Unless we start to know, I'm going to say this, this, is, this is a bold statement, unless we start to know God as Father and, and communicate to God as Father, I, I believe that our prayer lives will be stunted. Because what God can end up being is just the man upstairs, a far-off, distant being who we don't know personally as father you can know a lot of objective facts about god you can have a lot of knowledge about god but jesus is concerned about us knowing him on a deep personal relational level as father why because when you start with father you start with identity 
when you start with father in that statement is recognizing that you are a child. So when I say father in that means that I'm a child, the truest thing about us, the most important thing about us is that we have an identity as sons and daughters and that we have a father. We have a father who loves us. I, I tell my kids this, and if you've gone to GCC for any length of time, I'll keep saying this, that I ask my daughters every day, why does dad love you? And their response, because we are your daughters. You see, the, the, the foundation starting place of this prayer is a relationship. It's an identity where we call God father because he calls us his sons and daughters. We don't pray to arrive at being a son or daughter. We don't do something to arrive at being a, a son or daughter. And if by chance you cut out or something happens, I want to say this up front, is that the Christian message has never been pray right, do right, and do good, and then God will accept you. That has never been the Christian message because we don't do right, we don't pray right, and, and, and we don't do good as, as we should. And so we have to understand this, that the basis of our acceptance to be called sons and daughters by our Father in heaven is solely and completely based upon what Jesus Christ has done in our place. The reason that we are sons and daughters is because we place our full trust and confidence and assurance in Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. And by that and through that and only through that and through this faith that is given to us by grace do we enter this relationship where now we are sons and daughters and we have a father. I know the word father can stir up a lot of negative connotations because we commonly will think of our earthly fathers and some of us had good experiences and some of us had bad experiences. But I think if we project onto God what our earthly fathers is like, even our best earthly fathers, and we've completely missed what God is like, we, we don't go to God and, and, and then he's like frustrated and impatient with us um, because again, we, we would think that in, in that, our thinking is that he is like our earthly fathers. God is infinite in all of his nature, which we're going to see in just a minute. But we have a God who wants to hear from us. We have a God who's not just tolerating us, who's frustrated, is like, oh, you're coming to me to talk to me about that again or confess that to me again or repent about this, as though we have a Father who's just disappointed out of us. Listen to this, please. Our Father, as His sons and daughters, has the same exact affections for us as He does for Jesus Christ. He doesn't have a, a smaller amount of love that He gives to us as sons and daughters or affections. The same infinite, immeasurable love that He has for Jesus Christ, He has for His children constantly unchanging we see that in, in in john chapter 17 through the uh through jesus's high priestly prayer that's where we start that's our starting place with this relationship of father and here's the thing god's not bothered by us just coming to him and talking to him many of us just don't know even how to just share stuff with god like hey i'm frustrated hey i want to share this with you Th those of you guys uh who are working from home know right now uh, if you have children, what it's like to have your kids come in the room. So I'm, I'm reminded right now that my kids are watching this. But this week is just as an example. I'm, I'm working upstairs in the office, and uh, our daughters have just been coming in a lot. And they're not coming in asking requests. They're just coming in sharing information. We, we got two guinea pigs as a family this week, so we, we grew uh, as a family. And so uh, Jackson and Sophia are their names. Uh, I was trying to work, and uh, one of my daughters came into the room with one of the guinea pigs, and she said, hey, Dad. And I, was, and, and I wasn't like, whoa, you didn't start with repentance. You didn't say you're sorry. You didn't say anything like that. She just barged in because she knew that, uh, that, that I'm Dad, that I'm her father, and she's my daughter. And she can come in. She has access to me to talk to me. So she came in and said, my, uh, my guinea pig has nipples. So that's what she said. And she says, I know this because I flipped him over and uh, her over. <laughs> I flipped her over and I saw the nipples. And like, 
I'm assuming that like most people wouldn't care about that information. But in the moment, I cared because my daughter cared enough to talk to me about it. So I engaged her on our guinea pig's nipples. And so that was the topic of our conversation. And I say that because we can go to God about anything that might sound ridiculous or crazy as Father. We can barge into His presence as the author of Hebrews tells us. We go in with this confidence as sons and daughters, as children, into the presence of God. Whatever you did last night, whatever you did this morning, whatever you've done, we don't come in perfect and pretty on our own. We come in with the perfection of Christ, His acceptance. If you don't get this, Father, if you don't get this as your starting place, you will try to pretend with God and you will get exhausted. You will grow weary of of not being able to go to God as Father and just be real. Whether you're angry, whether whether you're hurting, whether you're frustrated, whether you're happy, joyful, wherever you're at, if He's your Father who loves you like crazy, He delights in you, as Zephaniah 3.17 says. He delights over you. You can go to Him. Otherwise, the pretending will exhaust you, I promise. It is the equivalent if you are mom being in Target with a bunch of kids in your cart that are just bickering and saying mom and screaming back and forth and just going crazy and driving you crazy and everything is a fight and an argument and then someone walks up to you in in the store and says, how are you doing? And, And if you respond with like, just peace, like peace like a river fills my soul or something just cheesy and corny, that will get exhausting because that's just not a reality for where you're at. We've used the tactic of if you don't straighten up, you're gonna get arrested. So it's a parenting tip for you guys. You can try that in Target or in stores in, in this crazy time. I know it's worked for our kids, uh, but, but I, I, I know this for sure, that until father is father and you can go to him wherever you're at, you will be exhausted by pretending. Go to God. You don't have to make yourself pretty or perfect. Christ has done that for you. The next two words are in heaven. Why does this matter? Our father in heaven. Because God is, if he's all good and all loving, that's great. But if, he, if he's not infinite in power, if he's not uh, omnipotent, if he doesn't have control over all things, then what is the point of going to him? What is the point of running to him if he's just good and loving, but he doesn't have the power to, to change circumstances or change situations? The, the, this is super important because we start with the eminence of God, the relational aspect, but we move to the transcendence. We need both. We need a God who's high above. We need a, guy who, uh, a God who's lifted in the heavens, who sits above. As Psalm 33, 13 says, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. Job 38, 16 says this, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Because God has. Isaiah 40, 22 says, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. It's important for us to have a God who is our Father, but it's also important for Him to be high above, over all things, infinite in every single way, every attribute that God has, His faithfulness, His power, His his all-knowingness, it is all infinite. His love cannot be contained. His power cannot be contained. This is important because in a time like we're in right now, with the coronavirus and everything else, God is not reacting like our government. He's not putting plans together. It's not like he slept through his alarm clock and and, and he's taken back by the situation. He is strategic, he's in control, and he's working all things for his glory and for the good of those who love him. We need this. I, I firmly believe that Paul had this in mind. We have a slide for this. Whenever Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I firmly believe that Paul said this, to not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your thanksgiving and, and, and let your requests be made known to God. How could you thank God for something that he hasn't already answered? 
The only way you could is if you knew that he was a good father and he was high above all things, that he's going to do whatever's best for you in your situation in life, whatever's going on, even if we can't understand it. God is going to move and work in that way. I think these four words, please listen, I think these four words for the Apostle Paul and for all of us, they put all of life into a perspective. These four words, uh, in a sense, put everything in life in its proper place and time. If we have a father who is crazy about us and in love with us, and if we have a father who is God Almighty and who's transcendent, then it puts everything that we're going through in our life in a proper perspective and and in its proper place. We have to understand that uh, Jesus doesn't tell us to pray like this because we need to remind God that he's father. We need to remind him that he's in heaven and we need to remind him that he's holy. Jesus tells us to pray like this because it's something that's good for our souls. Our souls need to be reminded of that he's our father. Our souls need to be reminded that he's transcendent and above all things. And our souls need to be reminded that he is holy. Praying like this does something for us. We're not changing God. We're not doing something to make God believe truths about him. It's actually changing us. And it comforts us by reminding us these four words already. Our Father in heaven. Our our Father who loves us is in heaven, high above, exalted, and in control of everything. It puts life into its proper perspective for everything that's going on right now. Whatever grief, whatever hurting, whatever suffering you're going through right now, please know this, that God understands what it's like to, 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 to see his children suffer and hurt. Ultimately, he watched his son suffer and hurt on the cross. And, and here's what I would say. If you're an atheist, the question is, what does your worldview teach about suffering? Because in the Christian worldview, God shows, look, I, I, I am in the heavens. I'm high above and I have a plan, even for cruel suffering. The, the, the cruelest moment in human history is that an innocent man dies for unrighteous people. And in that, God brought about the most beautiful thing in all of creation, in, in all of history, that we are reconciled to God. And so our, our God is, is, has a plan. He's in heaven. He's responding. He's our Father. And next we see this. These four words. Hallowed be your name. God is holy, but also his name is holy. Again, our starting place matters. Our Father in heaven, but hallowed be your name. I'm going to say this as, as just a big spoiler alert, that I believe in every line of the Lord's Prayer, it is drenched in the gospel. I believe that every line of the Lord's Prayer is filled with the gospel and it's meant to take us to the gospel. When I say gospel, I mean good news, not good advice. What Christians base their life off is not a bunch of advice that we can give one another, but it's news of what Christ has done 2,000 years ago. We stake our entire existence upon that. We put our faith in it. In every one of the lines, I believe we see the gospel. The gospel is not something that we just preach to get saved and then we move on. It's something that's meant to saturate all of our lives. And I believe every single line in this prayer is filled with the gospel. One scholar said that if you actually go back and read the Psalms, you will see that all the Psalms are shaped by the Lord's prayer. It's the same God teaching us to pray as we see now. And it's every line. How does hallowed be your name show us the gospel? You would have to understand this, that God says, be holy as I am holy. That's, that's, that's the standard that God gave him because God will, will, will not be an unjust God. God is only going to respond out of his perfect goodness, out of his perfect love and justice all at the same time is he can't let injustice, or, or injustice sorry, slide. And so what does he do? He says, be holy as I am holy. And so we would understand that God is holy. And that we, we would not expect to run into the uh, governor's headquarters or the presidential headquarters if we had uh, the coronavirus. In, in the same way, our sin 
has, has corrupted us and made it to where we can't go into a holy God's presence or else we will be consumed. It would be like us trying to get too close to the sun. It would consume us. God, God, God is, uh, God's holiness would consume us. And this is not loving. It's God actually acting in justice. We want justice when, when we see cruelty done. And this is how God responds and acts. So what has to happen is this is that God has to make us holy. When we, when we say these words, hallowed be your name, I believe what Christ is telling us, that even by saying that, that hallowed be your name, holy be your name, sanctified be your name, set apart be your name, is we cannot pray those words to God unless God has first made us just as holy as him. And I know that would sound heretical if the Bible didn't say it, but literally we bear the same holiness that God has in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ makes us holy. Not, 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 not a smaller version of holiness. Jesus makes us just as holy as God so we can go into God's presence with full confidence that we have been made holy. Where do we see this? So in this word right here, in the Greek, hallowed, is actually, let me pull it up real quick, is hagazio. This same word is actually the word that's used in 1 Corinthians 6, Chapter, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse, uh, verse 11. We have a slide up for that. Perfect. And such were some of you. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified. That word sanctified is hagazio. The same word, hagazio. So Paul says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were hagazio, sanctified. You were justified. Where and how? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Again, go back to Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. As we tell God how holy you are, the Apostle Paul says that same word that's given to God, Hagazio, is also given to us as well. So when we pray this, it's actually teaching us that the only way we pray and talk and go to God is because of what Christ has done, what Christ has given us. He has made us completely holy, just as holy as God is. That's the measure of holiness that we've been given to go to God. And so... I would say this, that if we understand this so far, what, here's what we have. We have our Father, this intimate personal relationship with God given to us through and in Jesus Christ by faith. We have Him in heaven, transcendent. This is our starting place for prayer. And then we have hallowed be your name. We have eight words as our starting place and our starting place matters because we have a relationship that does not change, an identity that does not change, a God who does not change. And we are hallowed we are holy we are set apart and so now the way christians live is a life consistent with that we live into and out of the holiness that christ has given us that's our response but how do we pray and how do we pray like this here's what i would say is our theology matters aw tozer said the most important thoughts that come into your mind throughout the day are the thoughts you think about god our starting place is actually a theology on God. It's a God-centered prayer. It's meant for us to focus in on God. If we actually start to do this, please hear me. If we start to pray this way, I believe it's going to have a, a, just a radical impact on our hearts and on our lives. Because when we focus in on God and who God is, when we're caught up in worship, when we're caught up in His glory, then things in our life are put into proper perspective. But what we understand is this, is that you cannot have self-pity and hatred if your prayer starts off with our Father in heaven. Why? Because if the divine person in all of the universe calls you son or daughter and he's given you the full measure of his love and acceptance and approval, then that's what should really matter. That God loves you. He approves of you. 
And so before you could say, well, so-and-so doesn't like me or these people don't like me or I don't feel like you're loved. God, the, 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 the God of the entire universe is crazy about you. You have his acceptance. You have his approval. Lastly, don't want to move past this. It says our. Our. Our prayers, if we understand what Jesus is saying, is corporate. We're a part of a family. That whenever we pray, we pray with this in mind, not just I, but our. God has invited us and called in by his grace, us into his family. I, I would say this, you, wherever you're at right now, you cannot do this alone. Please pray. Please ask others to pray for you, even as Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Please invite others into your lives. Please, we have gospel communities that are going right now that, that are still uh, uh, checking in on one another, that are praying for one another. Please get involved with those. If you are not, reach out to, to Hunter from our church. She can give you all the information there. Her email is hunter at gccugene.org. So please reach out to her. Please get involved with community. We need people praying right now. The most powerful thing that can happen right now is all of God's children pleading to him and for us pleading on behalf of one another. And so there's this our component. We can't do this Christian thing alone. We need one another. Next, I would say this, is learn to go to God wherever and whenever. Whatever spot you find yourself, go to God and know that he can handle whatever emotional spot you are in. I actually believe that you will know more about God's grace and grow in your prayer life and relationship with him when you start to go with him at your messiest spots. Next, Pray that God would correct your bad theology. Pray that whatever's inaccurate about God would be replaced with what is accurate about God. And then pray like this this week. Maybe just pray this week, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and just expand on that. Maybe spend this week just consumed with who God is, who you are as his son and daughter, with your identity that does not change. Start with who he is in heaven and start with how hallowed his name is, but also to know that he's given that same measure of holiness to us. Spend this week just praying these eight words and see the way that God uses that to shape our prayer lives. And know this, that our starting place matters. Where we start and what we believe about God is going to shape the way that we live. And so in closing, I would say this, that if you are someone who has maybe felt that God hasn't answered your prayer, hasn't responded in a way that you like or that you think he should have, then please know this. I'll end with what Keller would say, that God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. In other words, regardless if we see God's plan, if this is all true, which it is, that he's our father who is crazy about us in heaven and he's holy, then he's only going to give you in wherever or whatever situation you find yourself in right now what is best for you and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are father and we thank you that we are sons and daughters. If that is not true for anyone listening in right now, then I pray they would put their trust and faith in you so that they can come boldly into your presence any time uh, of the day and pray and be with you and enjoy you and enjoy your presence. Thank you, Father, you are far above, not, not, not reacting, but Father, you are in control, transcendent above all. And Father, we thank you so much that you are holy and that you have given us the same measure of holiness that you have in Christ. Let that make us bold to run to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.